Hi guys, welcome to the Create Faith Podcast, hosted by me, Sharice Luter. This is episode three, part two, my conversation with Daedric Greathouse. This episode was a long time coming. We had some technical difficulties, but we're here now, and I sincerely hope you enjoy the show. Yes, I've so, experienced that because, you know, I'll yeah. look back on things and I'm like, I wrote that? Exactly. You I know, have this, like, like I some of them. I don't even remember. Like, when I go back and read some of my Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who wrote that. Like, that was good. That was <laughs> really good. You know what I don't even know who wrote that. Yeah. So I'd like to expand on that idea mm-hmm. of not being afraid for people to see that you are normal. That extra thing that they experience, that is God. That is the creator. That is his presence. That's his anointing. So give it to him. Give him all the glory for that. Give him all the credit for, yes, all this big grand, grandiose image of me that you see, it is, it is the power of God working through me. That is all God's doing. I'm just the normal girl from, you know, Ohio, because I really am. And that makes me feel so comfortable being the normal person, turning it on. You know, I don't have to, because that, it's a, it's pressure being the big thing, all the time. I don't all have, of you that don't have is to not be. you. You don't have to. You, you, that's, you don't. That's not, that's not you. That's you can you. just be the normal you. Yeah. That thing that happens, that's God's doing. Yeah. That's under his control. It's because he, like, I was looking at John Gray last night, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so funny. By the way, John Gray is from Ohio, like I am. So I've known him for, you know, years before he ever came to Lakewood. Once again, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, I can't believe you're here too, right?" Like we're just snatching up all right. the people. So when I see him preaching, I see that spiritual anointing, that other thing that comes upon him mm-hmm. that makes him seem larger than life. Mm-hmm. But then when I talked to him, like last night afterwards, just he's just Clark Kent, yeah, just the most normal, like. With the kids, with, with the, the wife, kids, with the wife, yeah, and almost like, man, I don't even know what just happened. Yeah, thing. And I'm like, that's what it's like. So that's also why it's a challenge because people really fall in love with the platform version of us. Ooh, I feel like that's a whole podcast in and of <laughs> itself, <laughs> right? But yeah, yeah. I had to make sure that I married a guy who wasn't in love with the with the stage, Daedra. <sighs> And that was a challenge that I knew I'd have to face. Because mm-hmm. the stage Daedra's got lashes and extensions and mm-hmm. makeup and contour and highlighting, baby. And the works. And on top of all of that, that anointing, that supernatural thing mm-hmm. that, that happens to me, that's not me when I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's not me when I'm, you know, telling my son, clean up your room. I mean. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> if you had married someone who was in love with that you, then you would have to keep that up in order to keep that person. Let me tell you what Mark's love did for me. It helped to guide me further along in the process of healing my identity. Mm-hmm. And the low self-esteem that I had from being told that I was ugly, you know. And that no one would want me 
So when Mark came into my life, he thought I was beautiful, but I didn't believe him mm. because I still believed the lies that had been spoken to me all my life. But Mark saw me with no makeup on like I am now. No makeup, just normal. The off the stage danger and he thought I was just as beautiful. Mm. So that helped me become more comfortable with who I am just as I am. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is that God just loves us the way we are. I mean, it's not like he doesn't know who we are. And it's not like he doesn't know what you really look like. Right. It's like, really? <laughs> Did you hide that from right. He's everywhere at all times. He sees you. Yeah. Right? And he places value in you. Yeah. As the normal, as your normal self. This is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> the challenge is to have people, not just women, because men struggle with it too. Having your self-worth and your value placed in just your inherently being created by God yeah. and him loving you completely and totally as you are with nothing added, with nothing attached, with no additional expectations. Mm -hmm. Just you. Just you. You are loved the way you are. And for me growing up, someone telling me that, you know, God loved me. It was almost anticlimactic. It was like, well, yeah, whatever. He's supposed to love yeah. me. I didn't really understand how profound understanding what love can do to you. I didn't, I didn't get how that would be impactful for my life. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. <laughs> that makes so much sense. You know, the, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said that, said this to Keith before, but I think the, the, one of the most impactful sentences he ever said to me was, there is nothing you can do to get rid of me. And that was it. That was the, that, and, but I'm did, not sure I ever had someone, I mean, I'd probably, I had people, you know, parents, you know, those people sure. that, that is the case. But to have someone speak that and mean it, like, I literally can't do anything to get rid of him. Those words pierced your soul. Yeah. They went past your brain. It's, I, I had that same moment when Mark just said, I just find you fascinating. Oh. <gasps> right? Oh. Don't you feel it? <laughs> you find me fascinating? Wow. What? It makes me tear up now thinking about it. You just find me fascinating? Yeah. I'm like, you're around me all the time. Like, <laughs> the grocery shopping me. Just the fact that he said that to me in a, in a very normal, sitting at home, watching TV, eating popcorn state. Yeah. You know, brought healing to me. Does he know that? Does he? Well, he, he'll know now. But, <laughs> but, but, but before that statement, several years later, when we were still in Ohio, mm -hmm. we were driving down Sunbury Road to go. This is funny. This is before we got married. To go to the suburbs to just drive through neighborhoods to dream about the kind of house we live in. Oh. <gasps> yeah. Um, oh, I think it was John Gray. He was, was talked about that exact thing, you know. Go walk in some houses you know you can't afford. Yeah. You know, or go drive around some neighborhoods you know there's, you know, you can't see any way of, of, uh, of being there and make plans. And here's the thing. Kids naturally do that. Yeah, they do. We come here dreaming. We come here already with a pre-programmed chip in us, mm -hmm. right, to kind of lead us. And then what happens is as we get older... 
before we're too old to experience all the negative disappointments, mm-hmm. other people, older people, put on us their negativity and their pain from the things that haven't worked out for them. And they 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 stop you and try to say, baby, don't dream too big because mm-hmm. it just doesn't yeah. work out because that's what happened to me. Mind, yeah, in their mind, they're saving you from the disappointment. Yeah. Or they're, you know. I yeah. don't think they mean any harm. They don't yeah. realize that they're yeah. shutting off that valve yeah. that that pours out dreams yeah they're turning it off but i think they think like you said that they're protecting you yeah because they don't want you to be disappointed right. and hurt like they are mm-hmm. right and, but i i that was one a huge turning point for me was i can't live i can't let my faith go as far as everyone else's Mm-hmm. My, I can't let. Okay, so if your faith goes to mile marker ten, I can't say, all right, well then that's as far as mine can go too. Yeah, you know, I and and I because I know my destiny is at a mile marker fifty. That's right. So I can't. I I got some. Those are some of the people I have to love from afar. That's right. Or you know, let them know after things have happened. Yeah. You know, and those are those people because their faith is is here. Girlfriend, that mine is people, so that you just that I just got that revelation like last year or year oh, before. Yeah. Let people know after it's done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you really have to be intentional and protective mm-hmm. about who's in your inner circle to have privy. To the things that you're working on while in process. Oh, yeah. Because when you pick your midwife, you got to make sure that midwife is going to help birth it, not kill it. Yeah. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That is so true, though. Um, I've gotten into the practice of I inform, I don't request input. Yes. I just inform, even even mm-hmm. if it hasn't happened. It's it's I'm sharing information. Yeah, exactly. It's not an invitation. Well, I mean, I started to look around at six really successful people. Mm-hmm. When do you find out that Pastor Joe's working on a book? Right. When do you find out he's on Sirius XM? But I watched him. I said, "Oh, we all find out after it's done." Mm-hmm. I said, "There must be a reason why he does it that way." Yep. He never says, "Hey, by the way, I'm working on a book and it's going to be available a year from now." Yeah. We find out. We find out when after. it's done. Yeah, when it's done, and and this gives you a space, a, a lot of space to trial and error. Yeah, because if everybody's watching, it is very hard to allow yourself to make a mistake. Dear God, it is so hard because you know everybody's looking. You can do trial and error. You yeah. can you can um, test the waters and new and creative things that you've never tried before. Yeah, yeah. And where if if you were under the microscope from from the beginning, I mean, you have no space. No space. No space to grow. None. Um, no freedom to just try. Mm-hmm. And and it short circuits your ability and your tenacity to just be resolved to fail forward if necessary. Oh, fail forward. Yeah. Yeah, right? That's a book name right there. Log that away. Okay. <laughs> fail forward. Fail forward. Right? Because... No successful person has achieved anything without failing at something. Mm-hmm. I tried to start this process of recording my record. I was like, well, I'll just produce it all because I can produce. I'm not the level of producer that Aaron W. Lindsay, Aaron Wells Lindsay <laughs> is, right? 
I don't have that because he's an incredible musician, mm-hmm. apart from the whole production thing. But I can produce like, you know, like most producers, I can pull together the right people and like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, the, you know, arrange it and say and record it. And I share files and send them and, you know, make sure everybody's got, you know, I use logic and understand the process right enough to do it. But I defer to the greater one, mm-hmm. the greater producers to do it on a certain level. But I, I feel like... When I started, I was like, I'll just keep, like, Unrestrained Praise is, like, one of the songs that I, I actually produced. The only reason why I produced it on my record is because Aaron wasn't in the picture at the time, and I didn't know who would be, so I just needed to get started. Yeah. Yeah. So I just produced that one, and I kept working on other demos and things like that. Just what happens that he was like, Didi, this is hot. Just keep it the way it is on the record. Which, by the way, do you even understand how much I know, of for him a compliment that-, that is? To hear from my brother Aaron. That no he, notes. As a matter of fact, he <laughs> thought somebody else produced it, which is even a greater compliment. And even when I wrote Victorious, everybody thought Aaron uh, thought Israel wrote it, which I took as a huge, huge compliment. Yeah. Wow. And then Israel came. I heard that Israel came in rehearsal, and I guess the guy um, Will William was showing it to him, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Man, Aaron Lindsay. He thought Aaron wrote it." So, I mean, I chose to see it as a compliment. Some, you know, feminists would be like, what? A woman can't do such a thing? Why would they assume you couldn't? You know, I don't think it's all that. No, it's just you just unveiled another facet of yourself that other people weren't aware of. It was an example of let me go do this, not letting everybody into what you're up to. Yeah, it was a very private process. Yeah. You know, only a few people knew, like my friend Clay, who I was like, hey, how do I get these files you know, into logic and, you know, how do I ship these off to everybody? Because mm-hmm. the guitar, guitar player was cutting tracks in Atlanta and, and the drummer was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to pull all that together to record that song. We were never in the same state. None of us. See, now, and then, now you have a whole new, uh, mm-hmm. you have a whole new set of skills. I do. Yeah. That allows you to do... Now, who knows what else God has in plan that you're going to have to pull back and, and think about those skills again. Exactly. Because now I know how to do it. Yeah. So and there's a comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, cool. And then when I partnered with Aaron and watched his process, I mm-hmm. learned even more. Yeah. Like, oh, that's how he gets that done so efficiently. No <laughs> Right? I'll, there's no way I could ever be an Aaron. But, um, but I can be me. Mm-hmm. I could be Daedra. Mm-hmm. I've got an, a new skill set, you know, that I'm sure God revealed it to me for a reason. Right. There's no way God is going to lead you and have you accomplish something just for the heck of it. He's showing you this is in you the whole mm-hmm. time. Right. And you can use this like everything else you're using. Yeah. I think one of the greatest challenges after you've achieved so much is to think that there's nothing more. How do you keep that? But what what keeps what drives you to to keep keep going? How do you keep that curiosity even? I think we all have that inner magnet in us. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit that when I get quiet and I want to settle and do nothing, I just hear Him whispering, "You know, there's more." Mm-hmm. And I'm not satisfied. And I told God, I was like, "Look, I don't want to leave the earth." Having not accomplished everything you sent me here to yeah. accomplish. It's really just that simple. Yeah. For me, I'm like, if there's more God, 
then I want it. I want to I want to do it. I don't want to have As a matter of fact, this morning I posted something about um living my life backwards. So I want to go to age 89 and in my mind, what are the things I want people to say about who I was? Yeah. What are the things that I accomplished that I want to share with my great-grandchildren? What are the opportunities that I had that I said, man, I didn't let that go. I took advantage of it, mm-hmm. you know, like, and now, so I'm living my life backwards from, from that moment. Like, I want to be able to have accomplished it all so that I can tell my great-grandchildren about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be mad if I go up to heaven and there was stuff I didn't do for right? no good reason. It's like, no good reason. He was like, yeah, I was going to have you, you know, that, but. But it's a challenge. Yeah. Because life is distracting, full of distractions. Oh, Yeah. And and easily justifiable for distractions. Sure. I mean, having a family. Don't even get me started. That's a that's. It is so easy to for the guilt, mommy guilt, daddy guilt. You know, to be the the reason behind not. It's so real. not doing that. But then God was like, I did not give you these children without a plan in place. What I have found is they adapt. In a way that is, it's shocking to me. Well, it's like whatever your grace to do, God graces your children. Yeah. Graces your family for it. I mean, we're sitting here doing an interview. Where are my kids? They're doing something. Yeah. They're totally fine. <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. Um, you know, they're fine. Yeah. And, and my son is at summer camp mm-hmm. and my daughter's with her grandmother. They're totally fine. Everybody's fine. Oh. But I paint these pictures of, again, them in therapy. 20 years from now, like, my mama spent all this time on a podcast and she never loved me, you know, and I'm thinking that I'm just creating this, you know, irreparable damage. And God is like, God is like, I need you to be this person because that's an element of them becoming whoever they're supposed to be. Yes. Because if not for seeing their mom do this, this, and this, if not for seeing their dad do this, this, and this, they wouldn't have the tools they need to do whatever is in their destiny. Yeah, because their experience with us, we're the first atmosphere mm-hmm. in the earth that they experience. So I've watched my boys just, you know, absorb my life in a way that for them, it it's positive. Like they, one of my biggest fears was that they would hate the ministry oh. because they felt like it took their mom away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, other artists that I was watching when I was growing up, and I saw that their children were just completely messed up yeah. and felt abandoned by their parents that were on the road and all that. And I didn't want that. So I just prayed, and God just, he graced my family. And then he also gave me what I needed, gave me a game plan. Mm-hmm. So for my kids, it's not the quantity of time that we spend together as much as it is the quality yeah. of time. So I learned their love languages. Uh-huh. With Gary is, Chapman. Which is a straight and shortcut. Everybody needs to read that book if you yes. if you're in a relationship with anybody. Absolutely. You need to read this book. <laughs> straight shortcut to how they feel loved. Mm-hmm. Right. So with Evan, it's quality time. So we established when he was like eight years old that every week we go to the movies, just me and him, mm-hmm. and go out to eat. 
he's completely filled. Like, I got my alone time with mom. And even now oh, that he's driving, he's like, Mom, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming on Sunday. He's like, are you playing? No, I'm not playing today, but I'm, I'm coming. I was like, oh, it's the ritual mm-hmm. from all these years. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm just coming to hang with you, Mom. Follow me in sound check. Follow me back to the suites. You know, just sit next to me in church. Mm-hmm. That's quality time for Evan. So he feels full yeah. and feels loved. Aaron, gifts. That's his love language. So I just ordered 13 of those fidget spinners. All the craze. Oh, what, my goodness. What in the world? I don't know. I This is the first moment I felt kind of old because I look at it and I'm like, <laughs> why? And I remember my mom looking at stuff that we played with like, why? Why? <laughs> I'm like, it's happened. It's officially happened. It was like the first time he got one. He's like, it's here. It's here. I said, okay, what does it do? Well, you just hold it and spin it. It doesn't do anything else. Lord, give me some crazy, simple invention like that. I know, I mean, right? Crazy, right? right? The kids, all the rage. Uh, all, all the, I think all the rage. was um, slap bracelets. Right. We had, I had a million of them, and my mom was just like, I don't. So you just slap it on your wrist? Yeah. And that's it? Yeah. I know. And you need 20 of them. Uh huh. I mean, this is what it's like being a parent, but I'm so blessed and fortunate because I actually asked my kids, what is it like having me for a mom? Oh, that's a really great question to ask. I asked them. Yeah. Because That's a scary I wanted, question. I, and I said, be honest. Mm-hmm. So I can know how I'm doing as a mom, you know. And, of course, Evan is just, you know, Evan was like, Mom, it's amazing having you for a mother. Like, I'm so proud of you, and I, I love you, and I just wouldn't want to live my life without you. You're, you're the best mom I could have ever had. You know, he just poured it on real thick. Mm. So, but he, it was really heartfelt, and I felt relieved yeah, because that's one of the reasons I didn't want to do this record. Yeah, because I was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, how's this gonna make my kids feel? And mm-hmm. it's gonna, and actually, my kids were my biggest cheerleaders the yeah. whole the whole way. They can see the joy. Yep. in you, and so and I I realized that as much as I want them to be happy, I, they want me to be happy. Absolutely. Well, the baby, she's still in the one year old phase. So of, cute. She's walking. You knew that. Did you know that? No. She started walking about two weeks ago. Yeah. Where have I been? <laughs> but um, no way. Wow. They walking. want you to be happy and 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 want you to be as happy as you make them happy. Because when you're happy, that's the energy you you give off in your home. Yeah. And. Yeah. I know some people like, you need to drop everything. I went through this when I got pregnant and we were about to do our first big tour with Avalon and all of that. Mm -hmm. And some people were saying, okay, you're about to become a mother. Aren't you going to like quit all this anointed stuff? I had that same thing. Aren't you going to stop? Yeah, I was still freelance uh, writing when we got pregnant. And someone said that to me. So you're going to let go of that whole freelance writing thing. You're a mom now. And I was like... I didn't know that was a requirement. Do you have to give up? Yeah. I don't I didn't and I even asked Keith, I was like, is that something you're looking for? And he's like, girl. <laughs> okay, so why do we even ask? Because I asked Mark too. I said, honey, everybody's saying I need to get off the road and homeschool my ch- homeschool our child mm-hmm. and like I need to just be only about that. And he was like, girl. <laughs> Same thing, like 
lady, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And I had to come to the place that as a creative person who happens to be a mom and who happens to be, you know, a wife amongst other roles that I play in life, that ultimately I I feel like we should do what we feel like we're called to do in life and to not let go of fulfilling that calling. Yeah. And as you pursue that, God can lead you to 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 surround you with the type of children and family members that get that. Yeah. As opposed to the school of thought that was like put your kids first. I this is this may be a little controversial, but I'm going to put it out there. I have a feeling I'm going to agree with you, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm a put God first person. Yeah. Put God first. Put whatever he wants first. And the husband and the children line up with all that. Yeah. Like, same thing for us as a couple. God first. His word first. His directive first. Right? Um, if God is waking me up practical and, you know, uh, I'm going to give you a practical example. And this has happened many times. Mm. So Mark wants to spend time with me, but I'm like, oh, I feel God, I got to go up to the prayer room. He's like, hey, I'm not getting in between you and God. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He said, because I promised God that I would not. I'm not going to be the hindrance. I'm not going to hinder that. <laughs> and not only that, I made a promise that when I got married, that I wouldn't replace God and put Mark on the throne of my life. Let me tell you. Right? <laughs> no, yeah. That, and, um, with with our relationship, um, we are the same way. God first. Mm-hmm. And we actually took it a, a step further because after Keith experienced the residue that yeah. is become, being a, a child from a divorce, he yes. experienced that because uh, it was just us for six years. And he saw it. He could see it. Yeah. He he could see that I would come home surprised he was still there. And um, he said, I I want to put God first. And then I want to put our relationship. Mm. And then our children. Because I've seen what happened. He said, I can, I've seen the result mm. of when the parents, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And they separate. And what it does to the children. He said, I feel like our children need to see two strong yeah. spouses. Yeah. Even before they see two strong parents. Absolutely. Cuz he and he was like we're the foundation they're going to build on. It's so true. And I think that unfortunately sometimes that's been flipped in certain circles where mm-hmm. it's okay, my kids and then God and, and my spouse somewhere around there is like, yeah. "Wow, don't make your kids the idol." of your life don't make them an idol don't make your spouse an idol yeah you know and i see women do that all the time yeah you know they're strong they're going to bible slave and then they meet a guy and they just make their whole lives just about that guy yeah and then they put god on the back burner and oh yeah all, all the, right and then and then um setting up the poor guy because you're you're oh, you're yeah. ex- expecting him to fill a god-sized hole you've completely set this guy up to fail yeah he can't be your all. Not at all. Now we're going into a whole different podcast. I know. <laughs> I think we have like four episodes that uh, follow up episodes that we need to do. Oh, yeah. But is there, are there any messages of encouragement you'd like to share? Well, you know, 
we talked a little bit earlier about how I felt like I was ill-equipped and not talented enough to do what God was asking me to do in, in creating this record, all of me. And I had to wrestle with myself more than I had to wrestle with anybody else. I was my biggest enemy. Hmm. That's, that's, that's where the battle was. It was within me. So I had a lot to overcome, a lot of self-doubt. And even now I'm like, oh God, what's next? You know, but now I've got the fuel that I need to stir my faith up Mm -hmm. by going back and remembering, wait a minute, God told me to do it. I didn't think I could. And I did. Yeah. And not only did I do it, I mean, God blessed me to do it well. Right. This is an independent project that industry insiders have said, this is like the quality of any great record. Right. Right. So God helped me to accomplish everything and put everything together and sent me help. Of course, I had just some great people to advise me and link me to different things and resources that I needed. But I had to do the work. And now we've got this amazing product. Not only that, but it all started when I gave God a yes. Mm -hmm. When I couldn't see what was after that yes, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender my thoughts about what I can do. I'm going to release all that and just say, Hey, I'm going to give you a yes on this. But if you, if you help me, if you send me the money, I'll do it. And that's when four days later, as you know, Smashburger. the Smashburger incident <laughs> happened. I walked four days later after praying that short prayer, God, okay, I'm going to give you a yes on doing this record, but you got to send me the money. Four days later, I walk into Smashburger and a complete stranger gives me the money to do this record, right? And then, you know, down the line, ring, phone call, clear out the blue from Aaron. Hey, Didi, God told me to call you. What's going on? Right? So... So that's how you end up with a multi-Grammy award-winning producer producing your record. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and here's the thing: every day, as a creative, surrendering and submitting this record to God, right? Submitting the process, up there praying, saying, "God, put this together the way You want it. I don't want to just do this the way I I would do it. I want it to be what You want it to be." Right. That's what that just consecrating and just setting this record apart to God, I want it to be what you want it to be. So help me, lead me every every step of the way. So when he says fast and go to Smashburger, I did. Mm-hmm. And, and the provision met me there. Yeah. Now, what if I couldn't, what if I didn't hear correctly? What if I went to McDonald's instead? Yeah. I had to, just think about all the factors that God had to orchestrate. I had to hear him correctly. I had to be there at exactly the right time, right? Mm -hmm. Because this guy walked in right after me. So God knew exactly what time he was. So when I was, when he said, go now, I had to, I had to leave from across the street and go at that moment because he knew that that was the moment. Yeah. And then the, the things he had to orchestrate for that person. Crazy, right? Had to start where he had to get the right education and make the right amount of money and then no. receive the... Imp- it's even crazier than oh. that. It's even crazier than that. The guy suddenly came into money that year. 
And he was just asking God, who could I bless? Oh, my goodness. And he said, and I ran into you today. Oh, my goodness. Right? So God suddenly blessed him. And he was like, who could I bless? And he was like, and then I ran into you. So I figured you need it. Here are all the lessons in a very brief synopsis that I learned from that experience. Number one, when God asks you to do something or he puts something in your heart to do, he would never ask you to do it if you didn't have exactly what you needed to do it. God would never ask you for something you don't have. <laughs> he would never ask you to tap into any abilities that he's not already given you. Just because you don't know they're there doesn't mean they're not there. So it's in you. So you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I learned. Number two. Just because God asks you to do something and you don't have the resources for it does not mean that he cannot have those resources find you. Hmm. Whatever God orders, he pays for. And the third thing I learned on this journey was that I had to believe what God was saying in private. And I had to hold on to that before it could ever be revealed publicly it's in that quiet mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. that you gotta find to hear heaven's directives for you i think the greatest success publicly has been fueled by the private encounters so if i hadn't gotten up to pray that tuesday morning right if i hadn't gotten quiet and if I hadn't listened, I would not have known to go to Smashburger that day. Because that is not a place I frequent. I mean, I'm not hating on Smashburger. I'm just saying it's no, not it's, a place I don't go. Food, but it's just not it's a... It's not a place I go. Yeah. So cultivating getting quiet is probably one of the greatest skills you can learn as a creative. Mm -hmm. Because life is noisy. Bills, dinner breakfast, school, daycare, camp, um, projects, deadlines, church, volunteering, you know, hmm. sicknesses. And that's if everything goes exactly as planned. Yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, you know, add in the truck just broke down. Right. The car's in the shop. The mm -hmm. refrigerator just stopped working. The you know, unexpected expenses. Someone got in an accident. Someone's got sick and now you're in the hospital. Life is filled with busyness and distractions and things. As a creative, you got to discipline yourself to say, at some point every day, I'm going to get quiet and listen to what God is saying. Because every day I want to make sure I'm doing something that's leading me along the journey of fulfilling my destiny. Mm -hmm. And the enemy will fight you. He will fight you. When I got up to pray today, I said, it took me hours to get up here. But I am not going into this podcast without having spent some time with you. I was like, I'll take 30 minutes if I have to. As opposed to an hour or two mm -hmm. hours, which I like. But if I don't have it, I had to get the all or nothing attitude away from me. And just say, every day, if it's five, if it's 10 minutes, if it's 15 minutes, if it's two seconds... I need to get still and I need to say, God, please do a realignment. Help me to get synchronized back into the flow 
of what I'm supposed to be doing today. Because yeah. so many things will pull you out of it. Discouragement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From your own mood swings to just a bad, or someone turning it down. I think about all these authors who are well-known authors now and hundreds of publishers turn them down. Like, what kind of te- tenacity do you have to have yeah. to keep writing anyway? Yeah. Right? But when you get quiet, mm-hmm. that's when that inner voice, that magnet that keeps pulling you toward it, that's where you get the strength to keep going yeah. and to keep trying. So I just think that that was the secret weapon for me, mm-hmm. was just being quiet. And I've been battling to get back to that place consistently ever since because I'm like, okay, now I need to know what's next. Yeah. Now I need to know what my next directive is, yeah. you know? And I learned that God will speak if you listen. We're not listening. Mm-hmm. So if you go into prayer, right, if you're doing all the talking, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, because it's supposed to be a conversation. Right? And uh, how horrible a conversation if it's just one person talking and another person just sitting there like, <sighs> <laughs> looking at the watch. Okay. <laughs> you finished? Right. Yeah. yeah. One person yeah. talking is a lecture. Yeah. That's not a conversation. Ooh, lecturing. That's good, mm. right? So you want to develop your spiritual awareness by talking to God, but also giving him a chance to talk to you. Yeah. That's how you know what you're capable of in spite of what other people tell you. Somebody actually told me I could never do a solo record. It's amazing how many people got these, got, um, speak as though they're a professional in relation to you and who you are. And I really had to get into a mindset of there's only two people who can say they're a professional at me. And that's God, my creator, and me. Everybody else is amateurs. Exactly. Who are trying to give me a professional opinion. I really had to keep internalizing that and, and, and saying that you are an amateur. Mm-hmm. I appreciate <laughs> your words, but you are an amateur at being me. And I've, I've never said that to a person, but in my mind, I'm like, I had to keep that. I had to keep that going. I had to, those words yeah. had to keep going because people will speak as though they are certain. Well, let me tell you. First of all, that person that told me that has never done a solo record. So <laughs> they, that's what's funny. That's the first thing. And that person's never done a record at all in any configuration. Children have a connection to God that I, I wish. I wish. You can have it, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's so sweet. Yeah, it is. It is. It's so precious to yeah, see. It is. Evan told me when he was three, mom, I'm musician. You're musician. Uh-huh. I guess that's a combination of magician and musician, I guess. Yes. We've just created a new work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know he meant musician. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just looking at a videotape of him playing drums like. Yeah, his pocket is sick. <laughs> He's such a great drummer. Yeah, and he became and he became a great drummer. Completely out of my eyesight, I didn't even see it happen mm. because I'm leading worship on the main stage, you know, at church. And all those years when I was in sound check, he was in his own sound check in kids' mm. life. 
playing and growing. And, you know, they had to tell me, yeah, he's like the best drummer we have. Really? I didn't even know. Yeah. But Jack when he was three, too, yeah. they tell you who they are. They are. Jack was in that, is in that space now. He likes to draw. He likes to paint. He like any kind of art he wants to do. And he got me to see he would draw the same thing over and over and over again and ask constantly, asking for more paper, more paper. And I was like, buddy, why, why, why? <laughs> and he said, well, mommy, I have to practice. Oh. And I was like, check myself. Right. And I said, well, buddy, tell me more. And he said, I want to be an artist and I have to practice. And I have to do it over and over and over again. I have to do the same picture over and over and over again to practice. And I was like, buddy, we about to pack up and go to Target and get you art supplies. Whatever you need, baby. We're going to get you a sketch pad. We're going to do, we got him a tape. And I was, but he checked me. Yeah, but who told him he had to practice? You see what I'm saying? I don't even know what he learned that word. That's that's my whole point. You know, and it's in him, right? Mm -hmm. It's in him to want to keep practicing. You never even had to tell him he needed to practice, right? And then then he could differentiate between... I'm just drawing and I'm practicing. Like there was, there's intention behind practicing. Absolutely. You know, you, there's a focus. There's a reason behind them. If you're just drawing. You just, you know, I'll I'll draw for two minutes and I'll do something else. But and I was like, I have to honor that. Well, you know, <laughs> my son Aaron, he was also three when I he said, Mom, I I I cooker and singer. He likes to cook. Yeah. And he said, I singer. I was like, you, you're a singer? Yeah, Mom, I sing her. Have you heard Aaron sing? No, I haven't. I know he can. Mm-hmm. I've never heard him, though. He leads worship every Saturday yeah. night, you know, for kids' life. But he's 10 now, and I am and I knew. I knew he was telling me who he was. Mm-hmm. Just like I knew Evan was telling me who he was. Because mm-hmm. heaven puts it in them before they get here. Mm-hmm. And when they're young enough, they're just so spiritually sensitive that they pick it up. Mm-hmm. They pick it up so quickly. And this is a funnier story because Aaron should have said, I'm an entertainer because that boy is funny. <laughs> he is my entertainment in this house. Trust me. He's so witty and hilarious. The timing is good. His timing you know? is great. He's just quick with it. So I said, oh, you yes, you are a singer. You're crazy like all the other singers <laughs> I know. But he was watching a YouTube clip of, of a singer and he was like, ooh, oh, he's so pitchy. <laughs> and I looked over and said, how do you even know what pitchy means? What pitchy is? Yeah, yeah. He said, mom, because I'm a singer like you. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, but it's, good parenting yeah. is stewarding. Yeah. We just steward the gifts. We just help guide them mm-hmm. to whatever it is they're telling yeah. us. Mm-hmm. They're needs telling paint. us. But I'm the one that can go. I have the resources to make that so. It's so much more comfortable yeah. because then I don't feel like I'm I'm burdened with telling him who he needs to be. He'll just let me know. Well, it's so funny because I just I had a flashback of, you know, Evan at like two years old pulled all my pots and pans out from under the cabinets and was just sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor beating on them. 
I mean, just making a racket. <laughs> and he just tapped on the the dashboard of the car all the time. He just beat on everything. Just beat on everything. Uh-huh. I mean, he was just constantly. I was like, oh, we have a drummer. <laughs> but I was totally cool with that. I was totally cool. I had to warn Mark, though. Yeah. Mark likes his peace and quiet. Oh. I was like, we have a drummer. <laughs> I just thought you'd like to know. Um, and he's going to be great. Our kids tell us who they are because they are getting that download. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you think they're just playing quietly in a corner, I think sometimes God is whispering to them Yeah, who they are. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it. They, they they dream things and take it seriously. Oh yeah, like oh that's not something magical, and 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 speak it in a way that I'm like, man, I want faith. Like that. yeah, it's just emphatic for that. I mean, yeah, there's just, no doubt. There's no you know they uh, Jack saw a, a movie that had red the redwoods the the yeah. huge trees, and he said, um, "Mommy, I want to see them." And I was like, "Well, buddy, we're watching it now." He said, "No, I've seen it on TV. Now I want to see it in real life." So I want to see those. And I was like, he wants to draw them. He wants to draw them. He wants to draw them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may be raising a, a Van Gogh. I don't know what we got. You have no idea. It's going to make you some money, girl. And that is our show. I want to give a special thanks to Deidre Greathouse, who sat with me for two hours. I want to give also a thank you to Relevant Beats for the music you're listening to right now. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Create Faith Co. We're on iTunes and we're on Stitcher now. And of course, you can always see us on SoundCloud. Thank you so much. And until next time.